0: hey man hey what's going on i don't know
1: you tell me i'm glad that i'm not a uh writer right now because you know (laughs) the strike is going on and it's ugly I mean,
0: uh, how long do you think this one will last? Last one was uh, what a uh, hundred days, something like that.
1: Yeah, I think I think this one could go a pretty good stretch. To be honest with you, what's
0: the main beef?
1: Um, well, the, I guess the main beef, according to the writers, I haven't really read a whole lot from the other side, um, but is three percent the production companies. Are not willing to share an additional three percent of uh streaming ancillary rights. They're not budging on like three percent. So I mean it always comes down to money, right? Um uh because you know, I think most union people would agree that working in the union is is the way to go. I mean, it's the it's we'll insured, it, right. It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's 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 definitely how you have protections and i've worked on union shoots and i've worked on non-union shoots and i can tell you that there is a key difference uh between both and you're not going to get abused as Mm -hmm. easily um that's i'm saying you know not that it doesn't exist on union shoots in different aspects but like you have better protections if you're part of the union and Mm -hmm. um You know, I I don't know, maybe that makes me a socialist or whatever, you know, but um, all politics aside, this is just a working kind of working conditions is what we're talking about here, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So, uh, yeah, I think the first thing you'll see is the effects will hit the talk shows, right? Those will be the first uh, area. That'll be the first area really hit so you'll start seeing you know all those shows go into reruns and you know they're not they won't be doing any new oh no what a crime i know right um
0: (laughs) no offense to those writers but it's just like
1: uh, (laughs) um but yeah i mean it's just uh yeah so that's that's been um you know i guess biggest thing out of the gate uh earlier this week was that uh for me i was like well, okay, here we go. Uh, you know, here's here's another one. Let's see. I the last one I remember was like 2005, 2006, and yeah, mm-hmm. it, it went it went a couple of months. But this one, this one should go. It could go a little bit a little bit longer because they've been negotiating for for quite a while.
0: Well, I think too that most people, you know, of course they wouldn't know this. This is all inside inside baseball stuff. But you know, streamers don't pay residuals. They don't pay royalties. That's part of also, I believe part of the beef is that, you know, people want their cut. You know, when you, when you write episodic narrative, you know, even though the standard used to be a hundred episodes, you know, you could get to a hundred episodes of televised, whatever, you know, it was like, you could basically just kick it from the house. Cause syndication, I mean, syndication. Yeah. Syndication,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, those deals no longer exist uh, because of because of streamers.
1: And so how do we look at this new um, landscape, right? Um, you know, and I get frustrated by this as well, because, you know, and I tell our students this, you know, the box office is really the only indicator that's the classic indicator that we still use to sort of determine a movie's success or not, um, at least from a, you know, uh, you know Hollywood perspective. Right. Um but the streaming data that gets released, you know it's so <laughs> coded and ambiguous and you know I mean, and I think I've harped on this before, but you know w- telling me how many hours something is viewed doesn't really hmm. I, I, that doesn't register to me, right, um, other than lots of people are watching it, right um right. but it, it just uh, so the data is it makes it difficult, I think to from an outside perspective, really understand what some of the kind of the key issues are other than the fact that I believe the artists, when they say we're losing out on money, that's justifiably Absolutely. owed to us as right. contributors of this project. Right. So um, well, um yeah. that's just,
0: that's, Tale as old as time, right there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like uh, you know, I saw the the you know TikTok is crazy right now, right? With the uh, live feeds from people who are who are at the WGA strikes. At least on my, on on my algorithm, right? It's it's right. Uh, it's it's hitting me, um, and it just reminds me of like you know movies like Hoffa, you know, where like people are just you know scab, don't go to work, you know. It's just it's it's uh, it's 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 a real
0: deal. It's It's tough, man. Different people have different circumstances. It's It's always, it's, it's always, Oh, touch and go. Do you have any, uh, uh, like before we do a show, do you ever like have any like pump up music you play? Do you ever have like prep stuff? Like it's just gets you sort of in the mood to, to get the recording going. Occasionally yeah um, what is it what do you what do you usually go with
1: occasionally uh today it was a little bit of Aerosmith
0: oh yeah they announced their farewell
1: tour they did are you uh, going uh you... Yeah, Jeff come on yeah, I'm not gonna miss Aerosmith right they may be <laughs> they may be in their 80s or whatever right uh they may roll Joe Perry out in a wheelchair and ha- I-, I will still pay my take my now money.
0: see now see there's your Vegas show right
1: i haven't i don't know I,
0: i'm there sure there they then. will play vegas i mean why not at this point
1: i would so, I, that would be that would be a show worth going back I, you know Dana so you're telling me
0: before, before we go on the air you like to whip out your big 10 inch <laughs>
1: <laughs> let me show you something jeff you're making fun of that
0: ah, oh, oh no no, no no here let it
1: some here oh, here it is okay i don't know if you can see this all right let me see if i can get it in there. that's in an eight account. track that's that an eight track,
0: but what oh, is that man. of? That it's is an- Aerosmith Bootleg Live. Wow, look at that! That's right. Where are you hiding the eight track player?
1: At? Old school, baby, old school. Uh, the eight track is uh in the storage unit, yeah, I, along with the VCRs and nice. uh the laser disc player and anything else I may need to pull out at any given point in time.
0: Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. I uh, let's see, today I got pumped up by hit my king crimson playlist oh yeah it's nice sort of that prog rocky pre-metal you know just just nice got that nice rhythm and grind to it and i always need i need that little extra bump on a friday and you know the coffee here just ain't getting it done so i got Yeah,
1: well uh, last week for me it was tool Right. I mean, and I sent I, right. I sent I sent you like a screenshot. You right? sent me the like, grudge, I was yeah, yeah, So I was like, yep, it's a tool and kind I'm, of day. Yeah. And I
0: instantly heard it in my head as soon <laughs> as you you know, you can't help but hear that elevator. I know, actually know, yeah, yeah.
1: I had somebody I was wearing my shirt the other day from the 2019 tour, and um somebody stopped me and said it was it was a young student, right? And they were like, Oh, did you get to go to that show? I was like, That's right, brother. I've seen him <laughs> twice. See him twice, brother. Uh, and he was like, Tell me about it, you know. And I
0: was, I was like, like, do you have a few hours? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I don't I don't really know how
1: to really put this, other than it's just like an amazing experience. You right? can
0: you can actually sweeten that story pot because that was the show that they announced the long-awaited album at. You right. remember that? That's where right. the actual album announcement and the drop date came. So we were there for that. So you can right. you know, tease these these young bucks a little bit more and just say, I was there when they announced the album. Well, and you know,
1: this fits Jeff, right? It does segue into where we're going today with the show, but the, you know, tool is a band that has survived over generations. Right. And just keeps finding new audience, like the younger generation, they're pulling people, right? Because they're they're universal and they're timeless, right? I mean, it's yes. just they're they're just one of those bands that's going to stay timeless. I think they're just going to keep I, attracting followers.
0: I always people ask me to describe Tool to it. I'm like four guys <laughs> get in a room and make Tool music. Yeah, it's 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 the closest thing
1: that i can think of to what we might have uh it's it's jazz like but it's rock right
0: absolutely it, yeah no it's absolutely just,
1: it's like just that jazz method and strategy I just love it I just love it. yeah
0: well uh other than discussing <laughs> discussing discussing prog rock metal uh on the show that gets us all pumped up we're lonely phds i'm dr jeffrey hazey's dr joseph watson uh, we talk movies on this here show. Uh, we got two today. Uh, finally, I believe we're going to uh, break uh, break into the documentary realm. I don't think we've done one before. I think this is a first for us today. Uh, we're going to talk about In Search of the Last Action Heroes, 2019, from uh, documentarian Oliver Harper. And then we're going to jump into First Blood, the first installment of the Rambo saga, directed by Ted Kochif from 1982. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to my esteemed colleague to get this mm. started, because uh, you recommended uh, In Search of the Last Action Heroes. How'd you come across this, this little nugget of a film?
1: Uh, it was um, COVID, I think, um, when, it, when it got um, kind of came across my purviews, it was... Um, I want to say Tubi maybe was when I first Ooh. saw it because one of my movies was was on Tubi there for a little stretch and I was on Tubi a lot just trying to check in numbers and stuff and uh and I saw it. And at first I was like, This is like a two and a half hour documentary. Like what? yeah, like, like you know what how okay, all right, you know, but I'm interested, right? But but yeah, I invested. Um, so so just for everyone, uh, in search of the last action heroes is a 2019 documentary that provides an extensive historical overview of the evolution of the action film genre, specifically targeting the decades of the 80s and 90s. And it focuses on the major stars, producers, writers, and the cultural ramifications a little bit of how uh, the culture changed as this genre expanded and kind of developed. Um, As you mentioned, Jeff Oliver Harper, uh, this really kind of developed out of his YouTube channel um which he started in 2011 called retrospectives so it kind of this was kind of a culmination i think of about you know seven or eight years of work uh kind of looking at these you know uh, these movies um I, I would think it's really just this it i mean you would i think everybody would probably agree with this this is a huge love letter right i mean it's is this is more of a love letter than it is a genuine analysis of yeah the i was genre, gonna say right? that,
0: that 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 was one knock i had on it was that again well the runtime too on um on tubi because i did watch it on tubi and i don't know if they account for commercials into that two and a half hour runtime or not uh i'd have to look up actual runtime on it but i i did wince a little bit when i saw that and went like that I was like okay well better be very entertaining, you know, because good documentaries, what do they do? They suck us in. They, you know, we're, we get vested in it. Um, and I agree with you. This is more of a love letter uh, than, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Like No, not more, at all. Yeah. You know, yeah. more so than an analysis. Um, it's more about interviewing the people that were there mm-hmm. uh, and sort of getting their take on, you know, what what the time period was and and for everyone the time period we're talking about is basically 1980 to what 93 94 when last action yeah. hero comes out yeah. so yeah
1: yeah
0: so it's it's looking at about 15 years of movie making uh in this specific genre of the of the action film and i was well versed in it because that's something that my dad always took me to was action films. so I, I grew up on you know raw deal and commando and cobra and you know all, all these all these films that get referenced you know in the documentary and and what i found fascinating about it was i hadn't thought about some of these in quite some time and i kind of went i had those moments i was like oh yeah there's that one especially when they got to cobra uh, i was just like oh my god that's right this film exists <laughs>
1: It's well, and some of the Seagal stuff as well. Um, oh, Seagal, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and,
0: and um,
1: I, you know, I, so I, you know, it does, it does do a good job, I think, of sort of hitting the major points and high points and kind of capturing the the right movies and the right stars, you know, and it does kind of chronicle that um, Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Back that eventually, forth. eventually Bruce Willis, then Jean Claude Van Damme, then, you know, you just started adding to the roster of these um of these stars, but I think um you know they only really kind of just it's just such a tease because you you know uh there's only hints at how this genre was exploited by Reagan politics and sure. um you know and and how um you know they do address this 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 idea of the cartoonish turn that happened in violence uh after the movie that we're talking about next yes. um you know and how um how that can, kind of developed and, and formed right and it, well, it was it, it becomes was called a, yeah it's called the hard body right right it, well, of the 80s yeah 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 well
0: you got the hard body but you also as you were alluding to you've got the jingoisms you know of, oh yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah america's yeah. the best america's number one you right. know in in all aspects and facets and you know it's it's upon review of these films that that's like the most you know, hard for me to get through is just because realizing that, you know, as we take it and and recontextualize it now at the age that we're at, um, and having knowledge of of the geopolitical landscapes that were occurring at, you know, at the time, it's just sort of, it sort of just makes me wince, you know, and go, oh, wow. And these are like, the biggest films on the planet at the time, not all of them. And let me be, let's be clear. I think the documentary does a really good job of this. It's not all, you know, it's just like there, there is a certain subgenre within the genre, right? Of, of the action movie that deals specifically with these sorts of things, especially when you get into talking about, I found it interesting that it was actually the bigger films that got kind of branded that that went that way rather than the smaller like canon films Uh i would have expected the canon b films to to sort of do that but again canon had no interest in in, canon had interest in money (laughs) i mean they they would sell you their teeth you know if, if they knew that they could turn a profit on it so i mean it's i just found that fascinating
1: well i also like too that um and I, and I should mention this because I have it in my notes, so I don't want to forget it. But there there are potentially a couple of other factual errors in this documentary. Okay. Um, but they do he, it does mention that William Friedkin directed Dirty Harry, and that's not accurate. No, that's not correct. Uh, Don Siegel Don directed Siebel. Dirty yeah. Harry. Um, but I, I do like though that how they started, and it's a wonky documentary. Okay, and by that I mean. I think he had, it would have been better and more effective if he had gone in a true chronological fashion. But instead, he's just kind of jumping around like all over the place and yeah. patchworking it. And that's harder work to do as a documentary filmmaker. And I think, especially when you're dealing with so much content, um, but I do like the way that he respectfully begins with Bruce Lee, right? As kind of like the OG, right, of right. the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then how it kind of gradually, you know, shifted into the American Hollywood system. And then really by the, you know, late 80s, early 90s, the international track had come back and it had been sort of reclaimed by like, you know, Jet Li, Jackie Chan, you know. Uh, well, the
0: the emer- the emergence of the home video market, right, right. which he, right. he I, I wish there had been more time on that. yeah, because I felt that it's that I mean that in itself is a documentary, but yes, um, I just felt like they really started to get at how it kept going, you know, through the late 80s was was through the direct video market, through your you know your international releases, you know, re-releases of Jackie Chan films, you know, Cynthia Rothrock, Michael Dudikoff, the Canon films. <laughs> you know just and just folks if you've never seen something like american ninja or china o'brien um they're they're a lot of fun like it's just it's just big big silly you know fun
1: that's that's like the best it's that's that's that's, that's that's all they are um but now they have become these like cynthia rothrock was one that i had completely forgotten
0: me too until she, when she started right. talking, and, I was like, "Oh my God, it's Cynthia Rothrock." That's right, because it seems
1: like every time you rolled into the video store, there was another there was a like, new Cynthia
0: Rothrock, China
1: Rock, or whatever you know, yeah. whatever it was that she was doing, you know. Um, but uh, but I I think we can arguably the movie does the documentary does this uh, oh. it kind of sets her up as a you know uh, trailblazer as a trailblazer, and I I think yeah. it's fair. Uh, I do. No oh, one absolutely. else was doing that stuff at the time, you know. So yeah. Um, so yeah I mean I, I I thought it had some really really nice it, if you if you're unfamiliar with this era, um it's a good one to watch because I think it'll it'll encourage your you're like oh well I gotta see that you know or yeah, that, that yeah. just sounds amazing right <laughs> I gotta see that and then if you are familiar with it you'll be sitting there the whole time going uh-huh uh-huh oh forgotten about that one Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it does do a good job of that. But I just wish it had get, like, you know, I think that's that's really sort of the biggest takeaway is um, it, it becomes more of kind of what I would call the YouTube effect on the yes. documentary genre where you, you don't really have that kind of classical structure built in that helps, you know, documentaries, especially if you're going to go with that patchwork kind of well, style. It's
0: bits. Right, like it's yeah. just bits, bits, yeah. cold, yeah. Yeah. and sort of put together. And what, like you said, this the, the YouTube stuff. And, and I, I wanted to ask you too because I thought this was interesting in the documentary because I know a lot about the work of Paul Verhoeven. Um, I found it interesting that now whether he used it or not, you know, again we don't know what he used and what he didn't use with these interviews. But I, I felt like he undersold Robocop, like as. The satirical, brilliant film that it is. You know, Verhoeven talked about, they talked about the ultra violence of it and the controversy that it caused. And I, I remember going to see that film with my dad and my stepmom, and my stepmom left the theater because it was too too much and other people wow. did too. Wow. I distinctly yeah. remember that when I was a kid, yeah. like especially when you get to the toxic <laughs> the guy who gets dipped in the toxic waste and gets hit, hit by the car, you know, splatters all over the place. But um well I thought I thought he, I thought Verhoven was kind of undersold. Um, you know, in in lieu of his of trying to put him in this pantheon of action movies. And I thought that Robocop just doesn't belong. Like what? What do you think? I mean, am I am I being too analytical, or is it?
1: No, I don't think you're being too analytical. Uh, Robocop, you know, I think stands out from the genre because it has such a strong political comment, political and social commentary, yeah. um, and and I think the way he applied it here in the documentary is, it seems like sort of the kind of the cat end of the cartoonish extreme violence, like how mm-hmm. extreme can you take it kind of thing. And that's, I mean, certainly I think Verhoeven was conscious of what other things were shot and made around the time that he was doing Robocop. But I think you're right, Jeff. Um, Robocop deserves respect because it stands out for being smarter in how it handles that extreme violence. Yeah. Um, and I, I, yeah, I just always thought of that movie, and even uh, Total Recall, to to a large extent. Oh, well. I agree. It has
0: no business being placed with within this within this genre. It's, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, it's,
0: it's it's harder. You know, it's harder sci-fi too. I mean, I, I wouldn't just because it has Schwarzenegger and it doesn't mean it's an action film, You know, I mean, right. that's that that was that's also right. problematic here. Yeah. Was, you know. the where do you put things in in the genre catalog right um and i'm like oh no not 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 these verhoeven films for sure not these road
1: yeah i agree with you i agree with you that's an excellent point and um you know i i also think that you could have had a whole documentary just on the stallone schwarzenegger bruce willis transition stuff in that tight window of mid to late 80s right um and, and it's only just kind of whimsically touched at that, you know, Schwarzenegger kind of threw his arms in the air, like in the late 80s and said, I don't want to compete with, I'm going to go do comedy, right? I mean, he went and right. did comedy for a couple of years, right? Um, yes, painfully you know, so. You know, uh, yeah, <laughs> before, you know, before Terminator 2, right? Which, yeah. you know, uh, which which brought it back for a second. Um, but, you know, that... that um, that type of film in the genre, you know, was destined to fizzle out at some point, right? I mean, oh
0: God, I mean, how many how many of these stories can you tell?
1: And Father Time catches up with your actors, too, right? So right. you're not, you know, now what would be interesting, Jeff, is that uh-huh. where we're at now in the culture uh-huh. and all this panic that's surrounding AI and AI technology, why couldn't you just go back and, and tinker with these movies and remake them in a different way or ask AI to merge these stories together and see what pops back? You know, I people are laughing about this stuff right now. You oh, know, I don't at, laugh
0: about it at, at all. the
1: extremist kind of suggestions at what could happen. But you and I, I think, are on the same page about this. This shit ain't going away, and it's only gonna get more invasive and I think day-to-day. Yeah. In terms of how we interact with it. It's it's here and it's only going to get more developed and more nuanced.
0: I think it was in Wired this week or maybe it was The Atlantic I was reading the story about that uh, there are a couple of prognosticators in Hollywood who say we will see the first AI generated movie within the next uh, 15 months. And I mean running like 90 minutes, 80, 90 minute long. Film. i
1: i agree and, and you know whether the, it's
0: a piece of garbage or not is not the point the point that's is, right. is that it's can generate what's possible to
1: metabove, right? what's possible right and then what's go from there because we all know that people who work in science and technology in those innovative fields it, it's pure science right right uh let's pour this together and see what happens oh shit well that didn't work let's see how we can fix it and do it better next time and it's only gonna get better um and you know quite honestly the cynic in me Mm-hmm. Would would say maybe that's something that the production companies who are on the other side of this strike are mm-hmm. saying, You strike as long as you want. We're gonna tinker with how we can oh do they're it. already
0: on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I've seen the know. writers strike signs that they, they're already worried about. You it. know, that is what? one of their concerns. Is well, is, how
1: much do we really need them, Joe? Let's just see what this AI stuff can do, you know, and then yeah. we'll renegotiate, you know. Um yeah, I I it's it's that is something to watch. So just I don't want to get off topic too much, but that no, is not at all. that is something to think about as we see things like, you know, um Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, where they're they've perfected that technology now, that retro yeah. look. Uh it looks great. And, and I called um,
0: it, I called it all the way back at 1010. Where I said, oh, the 10, first 10, time yeah. I watched 1010, I said, this is it. This is, they can now tell any story they want. Everyone can always stay alive. And I even remember, I think I said to you at the time, I said, because there had been no new Indiana Jones, I said, oh, well, this fixes that problem because now they can just mocap him and tell any story and do the most fantastical things you've ever seen. So again, it's, it's caught up with us, you know, and, uh. Well, for better or worse that you know as uh, my inner gold bloom comes out and goes, "Well, uh, maybe they should have asked uh, oh,
1: why?" <laughs> why? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, no, you're 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 100% right. I Tron Legacy was the first time I remember being one. Yeah. being really hit by it and going, "Wow, you know, this is kind of uh, this is believable, you know. Um, you know, they, as long as they keep perfecting this, it's, yeah. yeah. So, I yeah, I mean, I, who, who knows? Um, who knows where that's going to go? But it, but in the context of looking at these retrospective things, that's how producers find that. Con- oh, that movie's been sitting on the shelf. I bet nobody remembers that. Let's pull that down and see what we can do with that. Oh, that actor's dead. Well, where can we find the archive where we have right. all of the footage and the catalog and the yeah, I mean, it's- well, I mean,
0: what's what's stopping it from from remixing the films, too? You know what I mean? Like if you think Coppola and them playing with their Lucas and them playing <laughs> with their films is bad, wait till they put everything on the cutting room floor into, you know, like dumping keywords into the algorithm and see what spits out. <clears throat> so should we be excited then about the possibilities creatively
1: of what comes out of this?
0: Or... I think it'll be I think it'll be monetized so quickly that we won't be able to really have a really good honeymoon with it. You know, because it's already being monetized. They're already working on it, as, right. as we're alluding to here. It's just like this is what the writers are striking, or right. part of the reason why the writers are striking. But uh, we digress. Going back into the search for the last action heroes, you know. Um,
1: well, I, I have see. two. I have two book recommendations. Okay. For people, um, and yes, you're going to let me be a geek for a second. Um, these books are great follow-ups and companion pieces if you want to learn more about this genre, right? Okay. So, Hard Bodies, don't laugh at the title, uh by, film, Susan, by the way, by Susan Jeffords, right? Um uh wonderful analysis written about the 80s um, uh action films and how they tied into Reagan politics and the exploitation that that Reagan did with those uh with those movies and those those sort of hard body stereotypes like the Stallones and Schwarzenegger's. And the other one is this amazing book by Joshua Greenberg that I read, um, I don't know about 10 years ago now, but nobody else has been really writing about this stuff from Betamax to blockbuster video stores and the invention of movies on video. Uh, That's a great book that really does a wonderful job of kind of discussing how the industry and the technology changed alongside how the creative stuff and uh, you know, was being pieced together and then how they merged and, and, so it really kind of connects a lot of dots that this documentary doesn't really get into as deeply, right? So,
0: it makes me think of makes me it makes me think of uh, the scene in Boogie Nights. Jack, film is dead. <laughs> Home video, it's the way to go. Well, I mean, you know, sure.
1: Um, <laughs> that's a great I, movie, man. That's this so is a great
0: movie. What one one question I have for you? The last question I'm going to ask about yeah. the documentary. Where's the love for Kurt Russell? Like we get a little tango in cash, you know, but it, it's it's like what it, it's kind of just glossed over. I'm just like, he was yeah, one of the biggest action movie stars of the 80s. Man.
1: Yeah. Um, and uh, there was um, Escape from New York, Big it's Trouble in China. In the, yeah, is, I mean, is, you yeah, know, yeah, and
0: they're yeah, barely yeah. in there. Like Escape from New York like at the very beginning, I think. There's yeah. like a little snippet of it. But I just felt like Kurt Russell got snubbed, man
1: and there was not uh I agree with you and and there was also not a mentioning of how the dirty harry movies that they talked about over. in the beginning as as being foundational in the 70s carried over into the into the 80s mm-hmm. you know i mean they they go into charles bronson and death wish and 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 that kind of stuff right. and the death wish sequels which are if you've never seen death wish 3
0: oh man it is such okay, a that
1: that movie is golden fun for uh if, if it you is, want to it look, is yeah, yeah. such
0: a piece of garbage i i, I mean it, <laughs> which makes about him great. it great it's great <laughs> i mean I, I think if you've never been able to to tell when someone's filming on a backlot, watch death wish three it's <laughs> it's so it's so cheap it, it, that movie is so cheap i feel so bad for Gerald bronson when i think about death wish three and that they made two more after that (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) because they kept making money um yeah but um but you're right so they they didn't mention kurt russell or the fact that dirty harry remained a staple through the 80s you know uh as well so
0: yeah well, folks, you know, uh, you'll have to serve your own opinion. Uh, we're Lonely PhDs. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes, Dr. Joseph Watson. We just got done talking about the 2019 documentary from Oliver Harper, In Search of the Last Action Heroes. And in uh, uh, honor of that, uh, a film they talk about uh, near the beginning of the documentary is a little film called First Blood, also known as Rambo First Blood, much later. Uh, starring Sylvester Stallone, Brian Dennehy, and Richard Crenna, directed by Ted Ketchuff uh, from 1982. Uh, brief IMDb synopsis here. Uh, these are always fun. A veteran Green Beret is forced by a cruel sheriff and his deputies to flee into the mountains and wage an escalating one-man war against his pursuers. Um, I'll also add that... Uh, 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 the, the Stallone character here, John uh, Rambo, is a Vietnam veteran. Uh, that is the veteran that they, they should uh, These things, that's why it's just like you got to get better coloring on these things. He's a Vietnam veteran. Uh, he's been out about six or seven years. The movie opens with him being very happy because he's going to go see an old cohort of his he has not seen uh unfortunately he finds that his friend has passed away from cancer caused by agent orange i mean this film wastes no time immediately getting to like the problems uh of 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 post post post-war uh america uh and then uh as he wanders on he wanders in a town called hope that I love the most. So just, I really enjoyed that they called that Town <laughs> Hope. Uh, and there is where trouble uh, trouble ensues. But um, yeah, you know, I had not seen this film in a really long time. And sitting down and watching it, my first reaction is like, well, this isn't an action movie. This is just a straight up 70s drama, basically, like with some really exciting Jerry Goldsmith music and shout out to Jerry Goldsmith's score on this. I mean, iconic. It's iconic. Mm -hmm. In some parts, it doesn't work. uh, But, you know, I mean, the the theme he comes up with Rambo's theme is so beautiful. Uh, But I found myself at times during the film, as I was listening to his score, like they're trying to like use the score to make the scenes feel bigger than they are <laughs> sort of with more stakes <laughs> Tighten like,
1: the dramatic tension th- yes,
0: yes. The dramatic tension and, and they get an a for effort on it uh but yeah i mean when you're just shooting a scene of a bunch of soldiers running through the canyon and you've got this beautiful like dramatic score by jerry goldsmith going on i'm just like yeah, what is this, what is this, I don't know. Okay, sure, Uh, (laughs) kind of leaves me uh, with that. But uh, this is a, you know, this is an interesting film uh, coming too on the heels of, uh, it made me think about The Deer Hunter Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, Uncommon Valor also. Um, You know, films dealing with PTSD, and I mean, let's call that this is what this film's primary thing is. I mean, he is, he is set upon this, this path in this film because his PTSD is triggered um, and he's just had enough. You yep. know, I mean, it's just like... We, it, it, and we got we to gotta talk about the speech. I mean, it's, it's really the speech at the end of the film... It's one of Stallone's finest moments mm-hmm. on screen. Where, again, this is what makes this a drama and not an action film, in my opinion, is that it's such a beautiful speech, man. Like I, I, that's all I can tell people. Wait, wait, where, what do you, how were you on? Was this a rewatch for you, or was this yes. first? This was a yeah. tell Oh no, I, I I
1: grew up on Rambo, right? Yeah. Um, but my but but uh, I saw First Blood Part Two. Well, as we did before yes. i saw first blood and actually it was the first r-rated movie that i ever got to go see first blood part um yeah uh and you so talk about
0: a cartoon oh, and i mean mullet. it is it's 100% a hundred
1: percent a cartoon right and and it's what motivated people like oliver stone to make platoon because he was like, no, 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 (laughs) that's not, you know, and it wasn't just the representation of the veteran, it, or it was also the jingoistic stuff that, you know, we've been talking about, right, Um, so uh, there, you're, you're absolutely right, Jeb, I, I I don't disagree at all, I, you know, outside of his escape in the beginning. There's a little bit of a chase scene there, and a little Great bit, of a, chase you know, scene. and then yeah. and then there's there's a little bit of actiony stuff, you know. But it's this is this is not an action film um, in the classical sense. No. It is a it is a uh, it's a melodrama. And um, it is it is uh, fairly put in the lexicon with all of those other movies that you mentioned. I would throw in like yeah. Coming Home as well yes, right? as an, an another on. one that's really good. Um, uh, something like uh, Born on the Fourth of July. Right. Th- these kinds of movies about what happens to veterans. Mm-hmm. uh when they come back home. Right? Well more and, specifically and,
0: Vietnam veterans. And, we should we should correct
1: correct you know, for thank the context
0: you. of this film. Yes.
1: You're right. Yes, no. Thank you. Um and and how I think what one of the things that First Blood does so well is that it really captures a sentiment that, you know, I mean the citizenry had turned on Vietnam veterans. Yeah. And uh, you know, coming back home, being spat on, being you know, I mean, just being. Um, My father was being, spat on. You know, I mean, this yeah. I, you've you've mentioned them yeah. to me before, and yeah. I just you know, I think it's just absolutely atrocious, right? Um, that he had to endure that. Um, but you know, the sheriff, Brian, did is great. It's just he's so good, so at, good. Us, right? he's so good at But us. at the very beginning, he sets us up, right? When he's like. Well, you don't want to walk around here looking like that, right? Uh, With right. that flag on your chest, and you're you know, I mean, it's just this we 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 don't want your kind here, and it's uh it, he's done nothing. Yeah. He's done literally nothing but walk through the town, try to find a place to eat. And and it's just well he even asked
0: him, he's just like, Can I I just want to what's a good place to eat? And He's like, There's a diner 30 miles up the road, and he's just like <laughs> So I can't eat here? You know, just, I mean it's
1: it's but but I I I believe that characters like that existed in the 80s at that point in time. I still believe it exists today, but I but I but I definitely think that this captures a historical snapshot of something that was really just ugly, awful profiling and um uh I I just I don't know if it's you know, I was reading something about uh, First Blood the mm-hmm. other night. Um, it was kind of an academic sort of breakdown of it. But there was a strong discussion in there about mm-hmm. all of the masculine figures in the law enforcement in that movie. Yes. Are threatened yes. by Rambo's experience, trauma, and own superior masculinity right um and pointed to that scene where uh it's early on in the pr- in, when he's in the prison and they're mm-hmm. they're hosing him down oh, and stripping him so down and and of course eventually leading up to the thing where they try to shave him and and that's what of course triggers that's his trigger memories yeah. and stuff but but the scars and the and the trauma, you know that marking of the body and yeah. and how other men see that and and in the movie go Oh holy shit, you know, this guy's, you know, I don't know if we want to be messing with this guy in this way. You know, I mean, we we this guy, you, you know, I mean, and it's the lovely young David Caruso. Yes. And yes. this Very movie boyish. Who plays is. the deputy who starts to figure it out quickly, right? Who's like, right. Mm, I, I don't I'm not on board with this, right? Um. Right. So I I and that that also that tension of like, well, they're law enforcement, right? So they're supposed to be the protectors of this place right so you have those masculine forces kind of working against each other and that's what drives it but um but it all leads up to that speech speech. at the end
0: and and i want to get there but first i want to go back just a little bit and talk about how prescient the idea of how our police conduct themselves this film represents in our modern day environment um this is a this is a film that could show you know a lot of the the other side of things, uh, and I found that fascinating because I had completely not just completely not thought about it at all because I had. Now, when you say other month. other side of things, unpack that a little bit. What do you mean? by Oh, that? I'm sorry. Sorry, I don't mean to be vague. Um, I just mean from when we look at the aspect of of movements in this country, such as Black Lives Matter, gotcha. uh, and other things. It's just like no, this is legit folks like this is you know even though again this is a fictionalized story fiction comes from reality at some point you know and yeah it's, uh, it's you know, like
1: i said i think those people still exist right um right uh, uh you know and and that kind of stuff still goes on if not to more egregious uh awful endings right um right. If, i feel like we're constantly inundated with stories yes. about that and we're and we're left reckoning with how do we do this right because right. we we need law enforcement i'm sorry we yes. do we no, need no, no. law I, enforcement right yeah. i mean we do well just like um, we need
0: military it's, it's yes. it's not but when you see how the, the the military treats you know some of its some of its biggest and brightest you know just basically throws them back out into the world and goes well now you got to deal with it i mean sorry we trained you to you know kill a man with your thumb but you know <laughs> Right. <clears throat> even as he says in that speech, he's just like, and I can't even get a job at a fucking car wash, washing cars. I mean, it's so heartbreaking. You know, when he when he breaks down in that speech to, to Richard Krenna's Troutman, who trained him, you know, he's just like, what am I? What do you want me to do? And he's like, everyone's gone. I got no friends. Everyone's dead. And I can't even get a job washing cars, man. What do you what do you th- what do you expect was going to happen? to me, when you rotated me back out here and said, oh, well now you can go be normal or whatever the hell that, you know, whatever the hell that's supposed to mean, you know?
1: Yeah. And we, and, uh, you know, we're, we're constantly inundated with stories today of veterans who are struggling, uh, don't have access to benefits, like, out of the
0: The VA system, you know, or the VA system has not been effective. Uh, in a lot of cases
1: and so uh what you see is uh violence ensues i mean i you know i i'm sorry folks if this is too political i'm not really taking a political side of this i'm just pointing out things that have gone on i mean the well, the, the art
0: influences you know art yeah, and politics
1: right. are just it's, it's they they do have a symbiotic relationship in some ways but um i you know, the Atlanta shooter just earlier this week, week was, a, yeah. was a former veteran, uh, you know, and and, it, and I
0: believe it was the story I was reading that his mother said, if only he could have got his, was it a, a Paxil or something that he was, it was he was on something and he couldn't get his medication as this, at least right now, what we know right, of at right. the time of taping of, is the story that she's giving as right. the reasoning for his rampage. So we, right. we do have to take a pause for a moment until this goes to court to we know more but at this point, you know, it's basically someone saying, you know, my son couldn't get their treatment. Yes. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and that, that should raise an immediate red flag. Yes.
1: Yes. Um, um,
0: you know. I mean, and, and I look at people, you know, too, in militias um, and, and other such that have served this country, and it makes me th- sad. That they believe that they go that path, you know, after serving in the military and understanding consequences and actions. So you know, <laughs> it's, it's it's just like this is just such this movie's so fascinating. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 but but that's also what I want to encourage people is just like the the post Vietnam films are so powerful. So many of them are not not missing an action with Chud Morris or any of that shit. Um, You know, I'm I'm talking about these types of films that we're mentioning. You know, The Deer Hunter, First Blood, Coming Home, Uncommon Valor, Platoon, uh, Full Metal Jacket. You know, things things of this nature that look into what what do we do? What are we doing? You know, with with these young people that we ask in, impossible things of and then they come out the other side and, you know, this is all good case study for, like I said earlier about PTSD and the, and the things that we don't, you know, uh, uh, understand that, that it makes me fascinated. I, I kind of want to, you know, I'd be very curious to ask people to go back in time and ask people why they enjoyed watching the film when it first came out was it because it was exposing these things about PTSD or was it because they were caught up in a action narrative? You know what I mean? Like what made the film so, this was a very, this film made like $150 million in like 1982, dollars, man. Well, like,
1: Stallone, Stallone was a big star, right? At that point. Um, well, I
0: mean, but but this is like pushed him into like that next echelon you yeah. know, that the documentary gets at too. But I mean, what do you, I mean-
1: Well, I think the returning veteran you know i i guess really deer hunter right was kind mm-hmm. of deer hunter and coming home were 78 and so i think I'm, I'm sure there probably were a few before that i don't know any off the top of my head but that's kind of where i mark it. but that that story that narrative of a returning veteran um i think was was flavor of the month for a while i mean for for a long time those stories were were getting greenlit right um because there was a lot to there was a lot to rectify, right? I mean, I, I um because you you're coming out of uh that Nixon era 70s as well. Um, with the with Watergate and then the ending of 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 Vietnam. Then you got Carter in there, but it's just like that that small little window before the dominance of the Reagan era in the eighties. Um, and I just think that story became so popular because you saw it in television too, Jeff. Right? I mean, yes. Magna Pi and A Team and all that—you know, th- those were all various takes, obviously, but but all stories about returning veterans, right? I mean, people forget Ooh. the A Team was cartoonish, right? But those people were on the run. Like uh, they yeah. were. They were. They were wanted. They were right? wanted. The most um, wanted men in America. That's right. Uh, you know, and um, I remember watching Magnum PI as a kid, very early on. And Tom Selk's character would have like flashbacks. Yeah, right. He wore the ring, and and they would be yeah. The Special Forces ring. That and they would, would TC Rory. Those are, the flashback sequences in this are terrifying. I mean, they're they're terrifying. Well,
0: you know what? Let's. I want to talk about too. Like you know, Ted Ketchup's direction here is top notch. Top notch. Top notch. I mean I, I I couldn't separate it for some of the best dramatists of the nineteen seventies, quite honestly. Uh he directed North Dallas 40. I didn't know I I didn't know that. I was looking up his IMDb. By the way, North Dallas 40 man, I massively love that film. That is like one of the great sports films uh uh of the nineteen seventies. But um hello, Burt Reynolds, huh? No, 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 no. You're no. thinking of the longest yard. Oh God, then what's North Dallas 40, Jeff? That's Nick Nolte and- Oh yeah. Uh, I, I, do, I do. I do. I do conflate him, those two. You get them yeah. mixed up. Yeah. But uh, uh, Ted ketchup's direction in this film is so good. And again, I'll, I'll point to. I was having a hard time thinking about when I had seen Stallone so well directed. Um, I mean, I think I think he's even better directed here than he is in Rocky by Avelton, quite honestly. Ooh, like, that's a that's a
1: bold claim, Jeff.
0: Well, you know, in Rocky, he half
1: our audience just went, "What?
0: What?" Yes. Uh <laughs> no, no, in in Rocky he he gets to kind of lean into more of a, you know, slobbish uh... de- 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 <laughs> you know, where here he has to be. Which is a
1: character. That's a character. yeah. A character. A, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Here he's he's got to really play it straight. You know, there is no, there is very
1: contained. He's very contained. There is
0: no humor in this. There is nothing humorous about any of this. And honestly, when he breaks down and when he broke down and cried in that speech at the end, I cried. Cause I was just like, and then he, he wants to be held. I I mean, I just lost it, man. Like he just wants to be held by Troutman, you know, to comfort him. And I'm just like i'm sorry this is this is his best screen this is his best screen performance
1: well that's a compelling argument jeff it's been been probably 30 years since i've seen rocky so you know i probably need to go back and and revisit but um i also want to get you're you're right the direction is is wonderful it contains him it focuses him um it's paced extremely well yeah this is 90 minutes baby um, like we,
0: we're, we get in and we get out like. and i
1: never get bored i did not get bored yeah. at all watching it um uh and it's paced very well and i want to give some love uh to andrew laszlo the cinematographer yep. of that movie yep. because yep. Yep. Uh, you feel like you are in the pacific northwest i mean that that is a
0: i love seeing breath real cinematography is great yeah i mean it's so cold you know it's so cold and miserable there man like every time they see like those exhales you know of course then i of course i have to damn james cameron because it's just like well he invented the digital exhale
1: yes (laughs) yes
0: so so now actors don't have to necessarily be tortured as much but I, i can't imagine that there was anything easy about this shoot can you i i mean that canyon alone. Uh, yeah, that
1: that chase sequence alone was probably. Uh,
0: oh, it just had to be convenient. just miserable, just um, cold and wet, and miserable. And it plays so. Do you? Th- I, I, I mean, yeah. I have to assume that that was luck that they got that kind of weather. You know what I mean? Because the movie opens with full sunshine and brightness, and then he gets to hope, and the you know the storms roll in, right? I mean, right. this is. And some people say, well, that's a bit heavy-handed. I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think it's heavy-handed at all.
1: Uh, directors think about this stuff, folks. Sorry. I well, mean, so it's, it's like it's, the first time yeah. we're
0: introduced to Brian Denehy when he walks out of the police station, he's juxtaposed next to the American flag hanging. I mean, this is masterful direction. Yes. Like, this yes. is this is well thought out. Maison scene, mm-hmm. right? I mean, just, you, you're, you're not it makes me think about professional directing and, and we've only talked about that a little bit on this show and, and in, our, in our, in our episodes, but we talk to students about this often. It's just like, you know, directing is a profession and if you're real good at it, you'll get work. You, you know, if you want to go to work in, in serialized formats or you want to, you know, the, although, you know, we are past now the day of the journeyman directors you know, and, and I think Ketchup would be considered one of those, you know, he came, you know, he came out of the system and worked through the 70s and on and, you know, and on past. But I, I miss that type of director. You know, I, I think those directors are rare these days that, that can come in and know the professional job of directing, can look at a script, sit down with the crew and go, OK, here we go. You know, it's just like, let's let's block this out one one scene at a time. Here we go. Right.
1: Well, I would like to think that at the professional level that's still going on, um, you know, but um, I think if you're going to tell stories visually, then you have to understand composition or or you have to have a really, really good cinematographer. So, you know, um, uh, I, I think that the opportunities for people are still there to sort of, Circle around those different facets, right? Like I'll work in TV for a little bit, or I'll direct here. Or I'll you know sort of becoming that journeyman that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think a lot of young folks trying to get in the industry are thinking about that first. They're thinking, right. oh, I just want to direct, and I got to go crowdsource and crowdfund my movie and and go do it on my own. And there's there's instead of maybe in that. It, no
0: there's, no there is, but truth truth instead of in maybe you know starting in the theater.
1: Or you know, right. and, and
0: trying to learn how to work with actors. Maybe or, work a little.
1: Maybe, maybe work a little TV, or maybe
0: you know. I mean, right. uh, Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, you know,
0: diversify the portfolio, as they say. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, huh? so you can have a better a better shot at some some uh, upper upper tier gigs. And and I say journeyman director. I'm not throwing shade at a lot of Hollywood directors. It's just like nowadays, you know, our bigger directors or our more pronounced. Name directors you know I, like i think of james gunn for instance it's just like you know i'm like how much you know he's got a people under him who are doing all that shit you know what i mean it's just like sure it, it, you know to, <laughs> it's not like i mean he's spending his time doing his pre-production and his writing and whatnot but there's a team of like hundreds oh, like yeah. working yeah. you know in previs and all that of stuff of course in, in, in special effects movies now with all of this, I mean, you look at a drama like First Blood and it's just like, no, he had to sit down with his, and like, work scrap and work. And when you see the stuntmen do their thing in this film with the car chases and that cliff jump into the tree, Jesus. I, I, I mean, those are real bodies, people. That's right. That's real pain. That's right. But,
1: They were not in a giant studio warehouse with a huge LED wall behind them. That was not the way they shot that,
0: yeah. No, no. (laughs) in in these kind of segments in this film also are worth preserving to Mm -hmm. show these types of things. Just like Mm -hmm. as ridiculous as the statement is that I'm about to make, it's just like, it is worth keeping cannonball run around because you get to see the stunt show. Yeah, or Bullet, or you know, yeah, French Connection, you know, any French Connection, with, yeah. any of these films, any of the famous car chase films, uh, you you can you can find all that. Um, you can find us a number of ways. You can email us. Uh, lonelyphds at gmail.com you can click on the discord link in our show notes go over there see what's happening Uh, and as always you can please subscribe rate and review the show on apple podbean google or wherever you get your podcasting needs from and until next time i'm dr jeffrey hayes i'm dr joseph watson we'll see you then